Texas Pete is taking its flavor on the road with convenient, easy-to-enjoy portion control packets. Whether it's a Texas Pete dip cup or sauce packet, your customers will be able to enjoy bold flavor for a better on-the-go dining experience, anywhere, anytime. Ask your broker for the number one portion control hot sauce or visit TexasPeteFoodService.com for more information. All right, so welcome, guys. I hope you had a good week so far. So far, so good. Nice game of Hurricane. Eventful. Yes, yes. I think so far, for all of us. Good. Yes, very yeah, eventful. So it's been a fun week. I think we've had some good times. Um, but now it's time to talk about not so great news. And I think we'll start with Chipotle's labor violations. Ooh. <laughs> you know, I look Is that up- your not so great news noise? <laughs> Yeah, that's my not It's a little spooky, you know. <laughs> it's still um, August. So Chipotle, so Chipotle had to pay over $300,000. I think it was like $322,000 um, over child labor law violations. And we saw McDonald's have to pay recently as well. And I was looking through our website, and I didn't see anything else from companies that they had to pay these labor violations. So I think it might be a new thing. But it seems like they're cracking down on it and really trying to make sure that these brands aren't violating laws, you know? Um, so I, I think it's interesting that it seems like it's picking up in the restaurant industry. Do you think that this is a trend that we're going to see more of because the restaurant industry tends to hire younger workers? It's so, it's so funny to call this a trend because it makes it <laughs> seem like something fashionable. Oh yeah. We totally had child labor violations too. Like you're not a cool <laughs> restaurant company. If you don't have you child labor violations. Really trendy right now is making kids work overtime and not paying them for it. <laughs> Totally. No, we love that. Uh, You know, it's funny. So I would say um, when you see this on the face of it, it sounds so nefarious to say child child labor violations, because in my head, when I see these headlines, I think like I imagine like nine year olds working at Chipotle or 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 just like straight up, you know, terrible conditions or something. And in reality, I think the primary culprit here is people under 18 working more than 40 hours, which is less nefarious when you think of like a 17 year old working 41 hours in a week, right? Which is, is we're in this position primarily because of course of the labor issues going on today. And when restaurants struggle to find people to work for them, inevitably what they end up doing is giving more hours to their current employees because they can't find other employees to take over the other hours and so then what happens is you have these situations where, oops, somebody who wasn't a, an adult yet worked more hours than they were supposed to. So I, I, I would caution that this is not nefarious. However, is also a good reminder that we continue to have these labor issues that lead to problems like this. And look, if you are running a business and you're not familiar with the law and the things you're allowed to do and not do, you know. I would say take a moment to familiarize yourself with labor laws because you don't want this on your hands. I also have to wonder how much the people like quote unquote responsible for these violations, like were really even paying attention. I mean, I worked retail in high school and there were times when I would like be scheduled to come in at noon on a Tuesday and I would have to say, Hey, I'm in, I'm in high school. Like I have school until two 30. I cannot be here until three. And the person doing the schedule would be like, Oh, I didn't even realize. So like, do these GMs, are they, they're not thinking about like, oh, this person is 17 and still in high school versus this person who's 19 and in college or taking a gap year. Um, 
like to them, those are just two like basically equivalent employees. They're just throwing like it takes a lot of work to put a schedule together. Things happen. And if you're 17 coming up on your 41st hour of the week or like you've already finished school, you're not going to be the one to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm, you know, I've already hit 40 hours. I don't you know, you want the extra cash. Um, maybe you like your job. You like coming to work every day uh, or you just want the extra money. Uh, and so I think it's, it's probably, as Sam said, like probably totally innocent mistakes that added up. And it's bad. I mean, you should pay attention. You should know which of your employees are technically underage. You should be watching everybody's hours. Um, but I don't think there was any ill intent here or with the McDonald's incidents. Uh, I think it's just a bummer and it's getting a lot of attention because it's Chipotle. Well, I wonder who was the rat that snitched, you know, because <laughs> someone must have said you know, something. You know, in the professional world, you call that a whistleblower, Holly. But yeah, which who's the snitch who ratted us out? You're watching too many mafia movies. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I'm just curious who said something because restaurants do this all the time. Like, we, that's what we were just basically mm -hmm. saying is that this is a really common thing in the restaurant industry to not realize how old you are, to have you work 41 hours. But I mean, I feel like somebody had to snitch. Like, otherwise there's no, how did they find all these violations? And then they had to go back and look at everything. Like, it's a big process. It was probably, I'm not even kidding, somebody's mother. <laughs> somebody <laughs> got, somebody no. accidentally got scheduled to come in at noon. They skipped school to go work their shift at Chipotle. Mom got a call from the admin, from the administration saying, hey, your kid's not at school today. And the mom took it out of Chipotle. Which is, which is, yeah, too bad. Well, not, not, not too bad. I mean, obviously, again, want to follow the law. But, but yeah, like for some of these students, I mean, you, you want to um, hold on to your eager high schoolers, right? Like if you've got a solid high schooler who is willing to pick up more hours, does a great job for you, that person is a potential future GM and, and even more could possibly be a future leader of your organization. And, um, I, and we might get to that when we talk about Chipotle's TikTok stuff too, but because um, you see some of these companies that are really good at hiring, really good at retaining and recruiting and developing their employees, they want to give them opportunity. They want to give them hours. And if you've got somebody who's eager for them, you want to give it to them. But of course, there are limits. And yes, uh, moms want school to come first for a reason. School's important. Got to do that too. So it's a balance. Give them their 40 hours, but nothing, not a minute more. Not a single minute longer. 40 hours nope. or 39 hours and 58 seconds. Or you could pay millions in fines. Holy cow, McDonald's would pay millions and Chipotle yeah. is like 300000 or something like that. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but no two of the biggest chains. So I, I think that's interesting. There may be more pressure on them. But, you know, building off what you guys are saying that people need more workers, Chipotle is going to TikTok for that, which I think is a really interesting strategy and I think is aimed at these high schoolers because that's really who's on TikTok the most is these younger people. So they better get their uh, ducks in a row when it comes to their 40 hours because they're recruiting for that. <laughs> Um, and I think it's super interesting there on TikTok now with recruiting. I think this is a, one of the first times we've really seen a brand, especially a big brand, turn to TikTok for recruiting. Um, I think it said they need 7,000 workers, something wild like that. So, um, I mean, it's a way to do it. I'm curious to see how they're going to get all these workers. Uh, so what do you guys think? Yeah, so Chipotle actually shared some data when they shared this news. Um, 
the average Chipotle worker is 24. So out of those high school teenage years, but still like firmly Gen Z at that point. And they shared some data that shows that 40% of Gen Zers uh, prefer searching on social media instead of a search engine. So these like kids essentially who want jobs are going on TikTok and searching, you know, jobs near me or whatever. Uh, so I think it's really smart of Chipotle to go where their ideal potential workers are. What I think is interesting about this campaign in particular is Chipotle has had this um, like recruiting campaign since 2019 called Behind the Foil, which at the time was a series of TV commercials showing employees like, you know, it's behind the scenes, but it's behind the foil that they wrap their burritos in, um, showing employees going about their day, talking about what they love about their job at Chipotle. And they're bringing back that campaign now. And there are TV spots, but they're also extending that same campaign to TikTok. Uh, and it's really fascinating to me to see that. The other thing is that they're not just taking their TV ads and putting them on TikTok, which they could. The TV spots are 15 seconds. I mean, that's more than short enough for a TikTok. Um, but they're making totally different videos for TikTok that fit that like trendy, catchy video vibe of social media. Uh, so they're essentially creating twice as much content, but it all has the through line of being, you know, a behind the scenes look at an employee's life. And that is, you know, that's what this younger generation is looking for. They want to see people like them, uh, what they're getting up to at work, what they like about their jobs. Um, they show people like making the guacamole. Um, they're really playing up right now uh, the culinary side. Like they're trying to attract people in that age range who like want to be chefs. Uh, there's a lot of talk about fresh ingredients and showing them doing the chopping and making the salsa. Uh, so it's a really interesting spin on kind of the way Chipotle has always recruited. I think it really shows how the brand is evolving in that way. Yeah. And something I was alluding to before, um, as, as related to this Chipotle TikTok story, um, you know, I noticed one of the videos and we have this embedded on the story at NRN, um, is one of the videos they've shared is with Cheyenne Wright, I believe is her last name. Um, who is a GM in New York, who was the, our cover in April uh, for our power list of general managers. Um, and Cheyenne is a great representative for Chipotle of showing the TikTok generation what is possible at Chipotle. I think she's 24, 25. And she started just as a Chipotle worker, I think as a teenager, and she's risen up to GM. She's a total all-star. I mean, we put her on the power list. Her Her the pitch when we got it for her was just a slam dunk for somebody who has a ton of potential, ton of leadership. Um, and, and they have invested in her. So there that's, that video is up at nrn.com. If you check out this story. Um, and I point that out because I think it's really clever of Chipotle to show on TikTok, you know, not, not necessarily glamor of being a restaurant employee, but just the, just like, Hey, look, here are people who have uh, leadership and who have, um, skills. And I don't know if they're going to complete, continue to show um, uh, via TikTok how there is, uh, there is opportunity available to you in the system, but they should if they haven't. Because again, you know, most teenagers especially are going to consider restaurant as 
I'm just doing this for the summer to make some money to pay for my car or something like that. They don't see it as a long-term opportunity. When in reality, there is incredible long-term opportunity that exists in restaurants. In restaurants, um, I don't know if all restaurants do this, but I know most restaurants I typically talk to pay six figures for a general manager. And it's not the longest path from you know, entry level um, cashier or whatever to general manager. If you show grit, determination, leadership skills, general manager is within sight. You could make six figures when you're in your 20s in the restaurant industry. So these are things I think TikTok is a great platform to show that um, in a time when hiring is is really difficult. And the last thing I'll say is um, I was in Florida earlier this week for the Prosper Forum uh, for about 40 hours before the hurricane forced me to flee, which was a lot of fun. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this were also there and also fled. So good times all. Um, but I had a chance to meet with Peter Cancro while I was there. He's, of course, the founder of Jersey Mike's. And I listened to him uh, give a talk. Um, and it is just incredible. Look, at Jersey Mike's is one example of a company that is so invested in its employees that everything it does is about uh, identifying talent, uh, investing in that talent, raising them up. I mean, at one point he broke down while he was doing his um, session about how important it was to provide opportunity for people. And do you want to go, do you want to know what a return on the investment for Jersey Mike's? Go look at their numbers in the last couple of years. My goodness, they have opened 300 units per year the last like two or three years. And he said in the last three years, their sales are up 60%. If you don't think that's because of your people and, and hiring great people and then investing them and providing them opportunity, well, you, you should not be in the restaurant industry it, because their retention, and he didn't give a specific number for retention, but their retention is incredible. If you're not distracted by having to constantly hire and constantly face this turnover, um, you have a great opportunity to just really hone your business and your restaurants and focus on sales and traffic and all that good stuff. So Chipotle is a good model of it. Jersey Mike's a good model of it. And it, to bring it all back, TikTok is is like the top of the funnel. For those of you marketing nerds or in the, in the media world, we talk about this a lot. The top of the funnel, you know, like how are you bringing people into your ecosystem? Um, TikTok is is a really, really good way to do that. Yeah. It's funny Just to bring in some list. numbers. Go ahead, Liam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say to bring in some of those similar numbers for Chipotle, 85% of their restaurant level management is they started out as entry level crew members. Um, so it's the exact same thing. They're promoting from within. Chipotle says they promoted 22,000 people last year um, and that they're on track to do something similar this year. So you absolutely, you get your foot in the door and then you climb up and that's why they're pushing, you know, the culinary, Hey, you want to be a chef? Well, come work at Chipotle and you can quickly work your way up. They do also pay six figures for those GM roles. They also have a referral bonus program for employees. So you get one good employee in the store and then tell them like, Hey, hire all your friends and we'll give you $200 for each friend who comes work here. Um, so yeah, lots of smart things going on at Chipotle. And then to tie it all back to what Holly was saying at the beginning, they're on track to open 250 stores this year at a minimum. And so they're looking to fill 7,000 jobs, uh, new jobs, uh, not even like backfilling those promoted roles. So that's lots of good stuff going on at Chipotle right there. Well, I feel like, you know, I think that some brands 
need to do some better marketing. And maybe this is through TikTok, maybe this is through Instagram, maybe this is on, but I feel like most people don't know that you can make six figures as a restaurant GM. And I think that in and out is really the only one who does a good job of that. They are very vocal, very public about the fact that as a GM, you make six figures at in and out. And I feel like I don't see any other restaurant company putting out that message. And I think that that should, that should be the message that's out there because that shows there's a career, you're going to get paid for it. Um, and I just think that the other restaurants are failing on that note because it's, it's pretty consistent around the industry that the GM, you make a lot of money and a lot more than when you start. And I think that that's something that we need to be pushing more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and again, like at this Prosper Forum uh, where I was earlier this week, you know, I mean, it was it was a powerhouse lineup of major restaurant CEOs and many of them mentioning I, this, I started as a cashier. I started, you know, as a as a cook. I mean, so and these people are making seven figures, right? I mean, or in some cases, eight. My goodness. Um, but, you know, point is, is like and it, do, it doesn't have to stop at the GM role, right? Like the industry is one that it will continue to give back to you in many ways, not just financially, but also just like the opportunity to connect with your community, the opportunity to lead a team. Um, and, and that opportunity is seemingly endless um, in that there are, you know, corporate C-suite roles even that could have your name on them. And you're right, like not a lot of restaurants truly understand that. I mean, I see, we see decals on windows all the time now hiring. Here are the great benefits you get. But, you know, don't don't say, oh, you know, ten, fifteen dollar uh, starting wages. Don't, you know, try to hype up like, you know, great opportunity for personal growth, you know, long term potential stuff like you can't put that on a decal. That's a little boring. But, you know, point is, is like in other ways, when you market your positions, do try to lean into that um, and, and find the examples on your team who who are that last thing I'll say, there was a uh, kind of high profile story recently of a Burger King uh, manager who uh, I think had was with the restaurant for 20 years and his bosses uh, gave him a bag of candy and coupons or something like that to reward him for 20. It was like 20 years without missing a day or something like that. And, um, uh, and rightfully the internet exploded in anger and started to go fund me to raise and they raised $400,000 for him. Now, not only do you not want to be the butt end of a bad story like that, um, but also, you know, (laughs) recognize the talent on your team, the commitment on your team, and um, they will give back to you. You know, it's not just a matter of like, well, we don't want the internet to get mad at us. You want to reward those people who are invested in the success of your business. So, so it's not just marketing those positions, but then like, then you got to do that work. You know, you got to do the work of showing them, okay, we meant what we said. We're going to invest in you. We're going to show you the opportunity ahead for you. I mean, that's all it is, is opportunity, because when we did our power list that you brought up earlier, Sam, a lot of those people, not just Cheyenne, a lot of people came from working as the server or as a cashier or something. I feel like most of the people that we really talked to came up from those entry level positions and are now managers. And so it shows that there is a future in the restaurant industry. And I feel like those are the examples. Again, like you said, Sam, these are what you should be highlighting, saying, you can go from making $15 an hour to making $100,000 an hour within three years. And that's $100,000 an hour. I want to go work for the restaurant. Woo. Hello. Hard same. Bye, guys. I mean, <laughs> I mean some CEOs make that. So yeah. be too, too yeah. fast on that. True. Yeah. So um, let's move, move it along to non-Chipotle news. Um, so Panera is trimming its menu by 30 items, allegedly. 
Um, another TikTok thing, you know, people go to TikTok to talk bad about their jobs. Apparently somebody went to TikTok and said that Chipotle is cutting 30 menu items. Chipotle confirmed they're cutting items. They did not say the number or what ones, but like some of the items they're cutting are like their bistro French onion soup, which is very popular. Um, they're cutting cold brew and uh, limited sips program. Um, some of these things are really interesting because they're cutting a lot of their dinner items too. And so you think that Panera would be trying to get into the dinner category, which they obviously were, but it seems like they failed on that. So what do you guys think about this, this new TikTok revelation? It's very funny that this, um, how this got, got out. And I guess I'm sort of surprised that we don't have more, um, scoops coming from employees at restaurants, uh, or maybe they're out there. We're just not watching as much TikTok as we should be. Um, and so anyway, may, may that be a reminder to you restaurant executives to be subtle with your news and to not release it to your restaurant employees before you release it to the public. Um, you know, Panera is about three years too late on this, right? I mean, I think 2020, everybody was talking about cutting back on their menu. Of course, that was out of necessity for, you know, pandemic related efficiencies that everybody's trying to accomplish off premises, honing the menu, you know, saving some, some money, all that good stuff. So um, I'm not surprised to see it. I guess I'm just surprised to see it now. Um, but I, I, Panera's menu had become kind of bloated. Um, and, and as somebody who certainly suffers from choice fatigue, uh, I, I will say that I think this is a smart move because I got to tell you, I, I, not just Panera, a lot of other restaurants, I just, I stare at this thing and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I did, there's so many things and I could get the thing I know I'll like, or I could get the thing I want to try, or I could get the thing that's kind of outside the box. Um, and it paralyzes me. Now I'm just some dumb, dumb who, you know, just needs to make up his mind, but I don't think I'm alone. I think there are a lot of people, if you stuff your menu full of all things for all people, not only can it be sort of a stressful experience, but obviously there's a lot of complexity to that menu for your team to prepare a lot of cost issues. Supply chain, of course, is a huge consideration. So it's it's smart for Panera to say to themselves, let's cut this thing back. Let's focus on doing those things we do best and do them even better. Let's keep the choice simpler for our customers. I, my assumption is they're cutting the things that are just not performing as well. Um, and so, so I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, now, whether or not they should test it before they go all out on it, and maybe they are, I don't know. Um, I think... Because of course the the internet got mad because a lot of people who had some some things they loved that are planned to be axed from the menu got angry on the internet and you can expect that to happen uh, regardless. But you know maybe test it, maybe try this out in a couple locations first, see how it goes before rolling that out to the system. And maybe they are again. Uh, this TikTok employee did not say um, our source was was not a great one, but uh, we'll find out. Yeah, this is definitely just a story that got away from Panera, uh, which, you know, is bound to happen in this day and age. But I feel like if not for this viral TikTok, then in a month, we would have gotten a press release from Panera that would have, you know, said, hey, we're cutting some menu items. And like, it would have spun it in a positive way. You know, lots of restaurants do this. Taco Bell slashed its menu a few years ago and started leaning into LTOs. And like, now they're thriving menu-wise especially, um, you know, Panera was probably planning on something like that. I have no doubt that we would have gotten a very happy, positive press release about this. 
Um, and it would have gone largely unnoticed by the general public, except for, you know, the occasional person who would have been like, oh, bummer, my favorite thing is gone. Oh, well. Uh, but TikToks happen and they go viral and everybody sees them and makes assumptions. And <clears throat> that's where we're at now. So what's going to be interesting is seeing Panera's response. Um, Panera did confirm to our reporter, Joanna Fantosi, that they are indeed cutting some menu items. They did say that they are testing the streamlined menu. Um, so that is like a limited testing for now. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see over the coming weeks what else they say about it, if anything, or if they try to let it just play itself out and disappear. Um, I think that has, you know, it's become a story about how to how to deal with it when news gets out to the public, especially before you wanted it to, and in a different way with a different spin. Well, so something I think is really interesting about this that Joanna and I actually talked about on an episode of First Bite is that this could be seen as preparation for going public, that they're trying to slash their menu, get down to the nitty gritty site they can expand. Um, so that's something we talked about that I think is a little interesting to that that could be something that they're doing that they may actually go public, which, you know, has been a long discussion with Panera, um, but that this could be seen as a step in that direction. Yeah, I mean, when they're public, they have a mandate to be profitable, like they will have stakeholders who will expect that from them. And so absolutely, um, slashing underperformers is going to presumably boost your profitability, um, particularly if you do it right, if you, you know, really lean into, um, you know, the, those strong menu items. Now, the, the last thing I will throw out there that's, I think, interesting, you know, the last half decade or so, I think Panera has gotten a little bit into, I, I just, I remember once upon a time, there were um, reports that Panera was doing a lot more like, you know, frozen food, um, you know, uh, that they were, they had frozen in the back. They were just kind of warming up and they've changed kind of their approach to menu quality, which is really interesting because Panera really, um, came up, uh, with, uh, sort of flying the banner of a high quality menu, fresh food. So I guess one thing I'll, I'll be interested to see is, could they get back to that? If they trim the menu, trim the complexities, make it more efficient, could they then go back to thinking about higher quality ingredients and fresh preparation? Um, now again, profitability is going to be the mandate. So they would have to figure out a way to make sure that higher quality is profitable. But I think if Panera wanted to reclaim some of the shine that it had previously had, and that got it to this place where it's, you know, a top 10 restaurant chain, I think quality is going to have to get it there. Well, funny you bring that up because the fact that they had frozen food also came from TikTok. Here we go. TikTok blessing and a curse. Exposing all the restaurants' issues one TikTok at a time. That's right. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to throw it over to my interview with Kelly Aldridge, the president of Chicken and Pickle, and I'm going to thank you guys for joining me. Thanks, Holly. Thanks, Holly. Texas Pete is taking its flavor on the road with convenient, easy to enjoy portion control packets. Whether it's a Texas Pete dip cup or sauce packet, your customers will be able to enjoy bold flavor for a better on the go dining experience anywhere anytime. Ask your broker for the number one portion control hot sauce or visit texaspetefoodservice.com for more information. 
So Kelly Aldridge, welcome to the podcast. Um, you know, we featured Chicken and Pickle as a breakout brand earlier this year, so our readers are familiar with it, but can you describe the brand to them in case no one has ever heard of you guys? Yes, thank you, Holly. So glad to be here. Chicken and Pickle, we are basically a top golf around pickleball. That that's my easiest way to describe it. Um, we love top golf, we admire top golf and their growth is something we aspire to be. So cannot say enough good things about Top Golf. But Chicken and Pickle is a scratch kitchen, amazing food. We average eight to twelve pickleball courts throughout each of our locations. So each site is a little different, but we are a very old school feel type venue. Um, one way we're different than top golf is we're very low tech. We talk about a lot internally, you know, our company is based around a plastic ball and a paddle. So don't, you know, keep it simple, but our property is designed to have people come gather. We foster human connection. Um, that's really what I think has been the secret to our success. Our food is fabulous. We host tons of events, but we want to be more of a community venue versus just a restaurant or just a pickleball facility. We really want to be a place where everyone feels like they belong. We really want to program something for everyone. We have kids clinics. We have beginner clinics. We have senior open play. Um, we try to be very strategic and make sure everyone find something that makes them feel at home at chicken and pickle. Now, my cousin is obsessed with pickleball, goes there every day. How do you include those people into your concept as well as people who've never heard of pickleball before? I know, gosh, and, and we say this, everyone is welcome. A lot of our serious, regular pickleball players tend to come to us in the morning. Um, you know, our restaurant opens at 11 a.m., so it's a little bit of a different venue before 11 a.m. That's when we love those people that their top priority is pickleball. At, at 11 a.m. when our restaurant opens, you tend to see more of the social. Oh, I've never played before. I'm here with my friends. Um, and that's really who we get, especially on the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. But, you know, we're open we open at 8 a.m., 7 a.m. Some locations were open till midnight. So there is a lot of opportunity for all types of guests on our courts. Now, you need a lot of space for one of these. I mean, if you're having six to eight courts, that's a big ask. How do you find that as you're looking for real estate? And, and, and you're right. And actually, our smallest location has eight courts and we have up to 12. So it is a lot of land. We talk to communities and cities all day long. We, we have a really phenomenal expansion team. Um, so space is the biggest issue. We And parking, we gobble up a lot of parking. So with our eight locations, we've got a martyr with parking. We look for neighbors that have opposite hours as we do, like offices, banks, um, hotels we love. And you know, we just find communities that we feel like fit the core values of chicken and pickle. We've been a Midwest company. We've been through this company on Midwest core values. 
And um, we do build, like, you know, when we have a chicken and pickle, we've always built it. So we don't go and repurpose. So land is a big factor, but we also want to make sure we're going in the right community that will welcome us with open arms. So, you know, you talked about having this community connection. How do you go about doing that, especially because you're going in and taking up a lot of space or maybe sharing space with another company? How do you go into a community and involve them? Yeah, that's, I'm so glad you asked. We have a full-time community impact coordinator at each of our chicken and pickles. And it's actually a role we hire prior to opening. Um, And that's their full-time job. They wake up every day. They connect us to the community. You know, they find groups to partner with from fundraisers to like 10% back nights to taking pickleball out in the community know that not everyone can afford to come to chicken and pickle and that's okay we love to go into the inner city we love to go to veterans groups um we will bring pickleball to you but that is their full-time job is building connections throughout the community have you seen a big tailwind come off of the fact that pickleball is like the it thing right now i mean has it really helped your concept boom you know, it has. We, we could not have predicted this. Our first location opened in 2016. I came on with the company a year later. And, you know, those first three, four years, you were explaining pickleball, right? Like people were like, I've never heard of pickleball. And it was so much explanation. Even our marketing strategy changed, right? We, we don't have to explain this. So we never saw this moving, um, but we've embraced it. We've eight locations since 2016. We have seven more pipeline that we have now open ground, moving, construction. Um, so in the next 18 months, we will be at 15 locations. And we do not plan to stop there. Our expansion team is really working hard to lay out, you know, what is path number 15 but the boom has been incredible and we do we see it in the variety of guests and it's really exciting so when you're going into new communities how do you educate them about pickleball i mean yes a lot of people have heard about it but you're talking about inner cities in some of these cases and i think pickleball hasn't quite reached that community it's a little bit more of a higher and and higher income hobby than it is for people like that so how do you educate people about exactly what you guys do yeah, uh, you know, it usually starts with a phone call. Like, like Livia, explain. It's a game. Everyone can play it. Uh, we'd love to come to your school or, you know, Boys and Girls Club. We visit a lot throughout our communities. We bring the nets. We bring the paddles. And it's just a magical sport. I think the simplicity of pickleball is what has fostered the growth. Um, and it's just fun and we see it all the time on our properties intergenerational relationship you know young kids playing with their grandparents and families and just all types of connections that it's hard to find a sport where you can do that so our goal is just we got to show it to you you know like you may have never heard of this but trust us we're going to bring it out and you will love it now, I know you didn't start out with the company when it first opened, but, you know, 
how was it dealing with pickleball when nobody knew about it? I mean, this now almost everybody does, but you opened in 2016 and you joined in 2017. I mean, how, how were you doing it before then? Yeah. And that's so fun question because I started as a customer. So I fell in love with chicken and pickle. I started playing on a very regular basis every Sunday and, um, you just had to advocate and it was a lot of inviting, you know, like come see me. I got a court for an hour. I'd love to teach you pickleball and have lunch that that was one of our big marketing campaigns at the beginning is literally inviting people to come play with you and treating them to either a lunch or dinner right afterwards, just to share, share the game. And so how do you hire people? Because it's got to be a lot of different kinds of people that you need. I mean, it's got, there's food, there's entertainment. Um, how do you hire for these brands? Yeah. And, and we do, we have 1500 employees today with our eight stores and, and there's so many layers. We, we are a restaurant. We have an incredible ops team. We, we hire people with restaurant and hospitality experience. But we're also an events venue. We hire people with events backgrounds. Um, we hire people to manage our pickleball courts. We hire people to run our partnership team. We hire our community team. So th there's so many layers. You nailed it. Um, but what we look for is people with grit and passion. Um, we're still a startup. We, we refer to ourselves as a startup. No one has chicken and pickle experience. We can't go to the market and find someone with the experience of our venue. So we really look at the person as a whole. We, we believe in hiring great people and we can train them to do anything. Um, we are a young and energetic company. So we do, we love hiring young, energetic employees that just have the passion to grow this sport and the passion to connect with co communities that we're in. Um, so we have a very vibrant staff and we, we just look for good people with grit and energy. From there, we can train them on anything. <laughs> I think that's so interesting. And you know, when you think about pickleball, you think about people meeting on the court for the first time. And I'm sure that your employees kind of help facilitate that as well, yeah, that sense of community. Yes. Yes. And we do. We love it. It's a reservation system. Okay. We, we really try to track if this is your first time, repeat customers. We really try to get to know our customer base on a personal basis. Um, so we know if it's your first time, you know, and, and we actually have a fun sign that's called first time pickler. And if it's your first time, we'll put that on your court. So everyone on property knows it's your first time. And a lot of people will walk by and give a high five and our managers will stop in and say hi. So we love to give you a very warm welcome when it's your first time. Which is a very Midwest thing, I must say. I mean, I know you guys are a Midwest-based company, so that just feels very Midwest to say hi and smile. Is that the kind of energy you want to bring as you expand? Absolutely. And we talk about that a lot. We will take our Midwest values with us as we expand, no matter where we go. We have five core values, authentic, quality, integrity, community, connection. And I mean, we talk about those on a daily basis at our headquarters and corporate offices. 
that's one of those things that cannot change as we grow. Um, we're very dedicated to keeping those core values. And, you know, how do employees react to something like that? Because those are intense core values. I mean, they really do mean a lot to you. Um, so how do you, how do you make employees love that as much as you do? Yeah, you know, well, as a leader, you have to walk the walk and you got to lead by example. And our leadership group, we put that on all our leaders. It is very important. We're very upfront about it. Um, every Tuesday, we have a leadership meeting and we kick it off with team wins, but you have to link it back to a, a core value. Like what was the win and what core value did it represent? Um, so we just have to lead by example and, and believe in it and walk the walk to show our young staff what these core values really mean. I mean, it's so key. You need to, ha you need to impart the knowledge onto your staff that you yourself are using on a daily basis. So what are your customers like? I mean, it must be all over the board. It is all over the board. I, I'm not kidding you when I say six to 96, like in our marketing meetings, it's so fun because there are so many people we want to target. Um, and we work really hard. I, I mean that we want everyone to feel like they belong when they come through our doors and we just keep it simple. It's one of those things. Don't over, don't overthink this. Let the beauty of the sport, welcome the guest, friendly smile, human connection. And that's, that's what has made our property so dynamic. And I, I said this earlier, but it has really fostered our growth. So we just really try to remind our staff, keep it simple, do what we do. I mean, with a name like chicken and pickle, you got to have good chicken. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, our chicken's phenomenal. We have an executive chef and he's been with us from day one, develops the menu, always, you know, um, bringing new items, side items, specials. But that being said, we have our core values. We have our top sellers. It's our NKC hot chicken sandwich, our pickled chicken sandwich, and our rotisserie chicken. And that is another thing that'll never change. Um, but kudos to our chef. He's phenomenal. The founder fell in love with pickleball, but he, his favorite restaurant is called Chicken Chicken. It's in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> and so our chef, you know, kind of used that inspiration. Um, and our food is phenomenal. It's a scratch kitchen and, um, we blow people away with the food. We, we we hear it all the time. I think guests come in thinking, oh, it's a little bit, you know, bar food. They, they, they have no idea how delicious our food is. And that's kudos to our chef. His name is Chef Alex Staub. Perfect. I'm glad you mentioned his name because I was going to say, you got to give him some credit. Yes, yes. <laughs> kudos to him. He works so hard. And our menus, a lot of people ask, they are uh, I'm going to say 90% the same as we go to new markets, but we do add in a little local flair in different markets, but 90% the same. <laughs> I mean, obviously your chicken is good. I feel like chicken is a universal food and now pickleball has become a universal sport. So it seems like you guys could fit into any market. Where are you looking to go next? That is a great question. Um, what we're always, we will run down any any property that wants to talk to us, but our eight that are open, our next seven, um, we just opened in Glendale, Arizona. We will open in St. Louis, Missouri later this year. 
will open in Houston, Texas early next year. Then Vegas, our third in Dallas, two in Denver, one in Fishers, Indiana. Then beyond that, I can't really say yet, but there's a lot in the works. A lot, a lot in the works. <laughs> I feel like you guys definitely are growing smartly. You're growing in certain areas that are kind of nearby. When you open up a new restaurant, I mean, what are you looking for in the space? What, what do you, how much space do you need? How big is the restaurant versus the courts? I mean, what exactly are you looking at in terms of space layout? Gosh, and we can be very creative. If you went to our eight locations, they all look a little bit different. Um, you know, where the courts set up and the restaurant, but what we're looking for is, you know, just a creative way where we can fit our game yard. That's very key to our property, our outdoor game yard. We'd like at least six indoor courts that we do air condition and then four outdoor. That's kind of our ideal setup. Um, I like that each property is a little different. I don't, I don't want to become just a box that plops down everywhere. We always have local murals and um, they, they all look a little different. And I, I enjoy that part. Um, and we love, we love synergy. We love having great neighbors. Um, you know, we, we don't want to be somewhere all by ourselves. We want to be part of the action. Um, we love being by apartments. We love being by corporate offices, retail, other restaurants. We are firm believers. We all rise together. So we, we love being near other concepts similar to ours. Um, and, and we do, we, we need a lot of parking and I'm not kidding on that. That, that is one thing that determines us a lot is we, we, we have several hundred guests on our property at one time, even up to a thousand. So we look very closely at parking and how do we be friendly and work with all of our neighbors on that? I mean, not to sound crass, but it almost sounds like an amusement park that you're hosting, that you have these hordes of people coming in. How do you manage crowd control? Yeah, you know, we, you're right. It's it's so fun. We staff up. We're, we're, we're always ready. Events, we do so many events. And again, it's community events, birthday parties, corporate events. Those we always have a good grasp prior to, um, but we, we have a lot of staff. I mentioned earlier 1,500 right now, but per per market, we have about 200 staff members. So we, we want to not ever turn anyone away because we don't have the staff. We want to staff up and welcome you, and we have tons of space on our properties for you to come and hang out for the afternoon or morning. Um, so we're pretty dedicated to making sure we can service everyone that walks through those doors. That's a lot of staff. How do you go about hiring these people? Because you need a lot. We need a lot. We start early. Um, we, we really do. And I think it's interesting as we have continued to open up, our applicant pool keeps increasing. And I don't know if it's our brand is now a name that people recognize in new communities, but we just try to have fun when we're working. So we try to feel that young staff and have fun. Um, every day's different, which a lot of people look for and crave. So we do foster to that. Every day is different. Um, and we just get to know our staff and care about them. And that goes a long way. And then just to wrap up my last question, 
is what is your favorite item on the menu? If you had to pick just one. Skinny, <laughs> yeah, skinny cob. Skinny cob with extra avocado. So let me tell you, always order extra avocado. It's a perfect <laughs> amount with the extra avocado. That should be a warning to uh, everybody. Always order extra avocado with anything. Yes, you eat. <laughs> that, that, that was, exactly. But um, that is my go-to at least three times a week. I have that salad. And how often do you play pickleball now? Oh, that is a great question. I go in phases. Um, I try to play once a week. Okay. I try to, yes. But some some weeks I get lucky and it's two or three and some weeks I don't. We do staff pickleball every other week and it is the most highly competitive that you've ever seen. <laughs> and it's just our staff. We do it Tuesdays at 1130 and it's a blast. Um, but I do, I try to play once or twice a week. I have to start playing pickleball now. I think that's what I've learned from this call today. You absolutely do. You absolutely do. And I, we do, we offer a lot of beginner classes. We offer newbie nights once a month. So if you've never played, we have some great programming where you control by yourself. You don't need to get a partner or two or three. Um, and that's where you should start. That's so nice that the barrier for entry is so low. That's something we don't get yes. a lot with new sports like this or with new experiences. There is a high barrier for entry. So it's nice to hear that you guys are welcoming to everybody. Yes, absolutely. We mean that. And we do. We have sports wheelchairs at all our locations. Um, so, and it's pretty special when those get used so much. We offer mobility clinics in our Dallas and Kansas City areas that we are growing everywhere. But when I say all is welcome, I, I am not kidding. We, we love you. And no matter who you are, you have a spot on that pickleball court. 